You're so talented with your mouth. <laughs> Said no one ever. <laughs> Welcome to the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast, presented by Cinema Summit. A podcast about the art of making films, no matter how small the budget. And now, here are your hosts, Alex Dark and Trevor L. Nelson. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. This is episode 30, Big 3-0 of the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast, and I am Trevor L. Nelson. And I'm Alex Dark, and today we are going to be talking about the age-old question, what camera should I buy? Tell but first, me. Oh yeah, there's something else. What are we drinking? I mean, we're still we're down to our last case of Kona. Last got to get through it is the thing. I know it's it's like it's now just a, like a a it's a challenge. Yeah, it's a tax on our manhood if we don't finish this. And we're just like uh, free beer. I'm over it. I think I'm just going to get rid of these last <laughs> bottles. Hell no, we're going to drink it till we die. That's true. It is good beer though, so I don't really it mind. It is good. Yeah, you know, I feel like I never before was not a huge fan of IPAs. Okay, but since having to drink about. Six dozen of them mm, mm-hmm. in three months. Mm-hmm. I feel like I like them more. Mm. You know, like the other night when I went out, I got myself an IPA where normally I would not do that. Oh, really? Was it a brewery that was making its own IPA, or you were just at a bar? It was a brewery. I had it was Smogtown. Oh, how was Smogtown Brewery? Delicious. Where is it? Great IPA. I don't know. Actually, it wasn't at a brewery, but oh. Smogtown has a place in that Steelcraft um, oh. spot in Long Beach. Oh, that so I that's where to. you got it. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, I got to check out that Steelcraft. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. But beer, 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 beer. Beer, 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 beer. All right, so okay. what's, new, what's new with us? What's new with us? Um, you know, we're still grasping on hope for a couple of things that we are, can't talk about. Yeah. Uh, doesn't look promising. Does not look promising. But, you know, that's the ups and downs of the industry. You, you never know, know. Some stranger things have happened, so we'll see. That's true. Stranger N- things have happened. Naturally, we'll keep you posted. Um, yep. But, yeah, so uh, those things are still going, uh, uh, you know, still going. Uh, still going. Still going. There's still possibilities on all of them, but we have no idea or hope or uh, what we're doing. So, yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, and to we're sponsoring. Our, our Cinema Summit is sponsoring. The Studio City Film Festival, which is going on this weekend. Yep. If you are in the L.A. area, you should check out Studio City Film Festival. Yeah. We'll be there tonight, which well. we're we're recording this before, um, <laughs> you know, you'll hear it. You'll so. hear it after the so fact. So my invitation is going to be nothing to you, but come on by. <laughs> come on by. Yeah, come on by. Um, I'm looking at the website right now. There's our There's our logo. There it is. Right next to Allie and Antonio's Pizzeria. So We're there. Fantastic. Love it. We've made it. We've made it. We've made it. We've made it. Um, yes. So that so, is... So that's happening. That is happening. Um, um, we have a possible new podcast that we might start. I don't know. Just thinking about it. Yeah, thinking about it. We're all, I mean, we like talking, obviously. That's why we've done this for 30 episodes, which is yeah. the longest thing we've ever stuck with. <laughs> yeah. Um, this one, I think, is going to be about <sighs> horror movies. Oh, yes. So here's the pitch, right? Okay, hit it. The way I see it. Pass. It's Next. like a book club, uh, 
but for horror movies. So each week, we choose a film that we're going to talk about next week. That way, the listeners can follow along, see the movie, and be on board with us as we discuss. Yeah. Specifically for horror movies. Yeah, because me and Alex are big fans of horror movies. Um, Alex, I have not seen it yet, but Alex has seen um, the new... Uh, Halloween. The new Halloween, and... It's quite good. Oh, man, see? And that, Incredible, yeah. actually. Oh, man. It's actually, I would say, I would go so far as to say it's one of the best horror films I've seen in years. Damn. Damn, homie. Really? Years. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, we, uh, we're thinking about that. Um, Alex actually had a really good domain for it other than Frightcast. Yeah, Frightcast is what we're thinking right now. But what was the other domain that is just fantastic? You own it so nobody can steal it. I own it. That's true. Crucifix. Oh, so which- good. Is questionable so as to whether it's a horror uh, property or a Christian slash Catholic property. Well, to be fair, Exorcist would fall right in there. That's true. But that's about it. Like, how would how would um, how would Michael Myers fall into the Crucifix? At one point in the movie, someone says, "Oh God, no!" Boom. That's true. Crucifix. That's true. Nailed it. That's true. Yep. Um, so yeah, so that 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 might be coming. We have some friends of ours that like horror movies too that we might bring on. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they get over their fear of podcasting. Yeah, well, one is definitely not coming because <laughs> to be honest, he's he's just never going to state his opinion publicly ever. Yeah, exactly. And he's uh, he's a little scared to. He's a very opinionated man. Yeah, very. And uh, he's trying to get. You know, shit started in this industry, and he's just fearful that some the two listeners that would listen to Frightcast would somehow <laughs> blackball him from the community. Let's yes. be honest. I just want to tell him I'm not going to say by name, but if you ever listen to this, there if there was that many powerful people listening to our podcast, we wouldn't be <laughs> yeah. in a Hawthorne studio right now. No, we probably wouldn't. Um, so I don't think you have anything to worry about, but that's fine. Whatever, it's fine. Yeah, we don't need him. No, we'll move on. So then, our last bit of what's new is we yeah. have a. A free live class that we're doing yeah. on Thursday. Thursday the 15th, I yep, believe is yep. what it is. I believe, yep, because today's the 8th. Well, not today, but when we're recording this is the 8th. You will hear this before. Yes, um, you will. It's shocking for this podcast, but you will hear this before it goes live. And we're going to tell you about some secrets that we, we've developed. Yeah, in the, in the equipment grabbing, uh, funding your, your films and projects um, realm. Yeah. It's going to be fun. We're going to talk about how we've managed to build up a huge amount of equipment that we use on our own projects. Yep. Uh, how we buy and sell yep. uh, that equipment and make a profit that we yep. then use to finance our uh, company. Pretty exciting, guys. And you can listen to it for the low, low price of how much are you going to charge, Alex? Uh, free. What? what? Yeah. Oh, my God. You know, full disclosure here, uh, we were planning on charging for it. It was going to be a course. Yeah. And uh, we, we just want to give away for free. We felt bad. Not, yeah. I, I just didn't feel good about it, to be honest. I didn't feel good. I want, you know, the goal here is to just help filmmakers. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, we were going to charge like 300 bucks, which oh. I felt really bad about. So then we were just like, screw it. We're going to do it for free. But it's only one day, one yep. day live only. Yep. So you have to go to cinemasummit.com, register, just enter your name and email address. And then you will be in for the free class. Uh, you can watch it, the whole thing. It's yep. not like a preview. It's no. not like a weird thing where we're trying to like no, sell you something afterwards. It's just a free class. 
Uh, we're going to go however long it takes, probably like a few hours. Oh, God. We, if you've listened to this podcast, <laughs> how we were able to drone on. Ooh, um, man. And we're just going to tell you all our secrets. Yeah, all the so, secrets. Check it out, cinemasummit.com. Yeah, do it, guys. Do it, do it, do it. All right, so shall we um, head to the main topic here? To the bread and butter of it? Yeah. Yeah, the meat and potatoes. What camera should I buy? I guess it's fitting that this is an equipment uh, podcast. And Alexa, we're... done. Podcast over. Podcast over. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. We'll talk to you later. Oh, you don't have $60,000? Oh. Well. oh. <laughs> All right. Okay. So um, this is a question that is all over the freaking internet. If yes. You, if you are part of any forum group or whatever, uh, what camera should I buy? Just over and over again, constantly, constantly, this, yep. this question comes up and it's mind-numbing to just see it over and over again. I mean, again. we are a part of a, a Facebook group called uh, Frugal Filmmakers and man alive, how many times these people freaking... They ask this question over and over again. They ask this question all the time. It's like... It's very upsetting. Well, it's not only is it upsetting, but it's also like it's so hard to answer, give one definitive answer. That's true. That's part of why it's upsetting. The other reason is like, I mean, how are we supposed to know what the best camera is for you? So that's why we're doing this episode, uh, not to tell you exactly what camera to get. Never going to be able to. Never never be able to. to. But to tell you what our process is when choosing a camera to buy. Yeah. So. Which. We've bought a couple cameras in our lives, so we kind of feel that we know a little bit about this. Yeah. Um, We've jumped brands a few times. You yeah. Know, we're not like strictly Canon, strictly Sony, strictly Panasonic people. Yeah. Started out in Canon. We, uh, I had a 7D, Trevor had a 5D Mark II. Yep. Started there. Uh, we ended up getting a Canon 1DC yep. in the 4K DSLR world. And then we got the C300. C300. And you may think, oh, these guys are Canon guys. But well, no. Because no. we no. ended up getting, once once it came down to buying a cinema camera, Yep, there are plenty of options. There's the C500, C700, um, C300 Mark II yep. in the Canon realm. Yep. Didn't go for that. Didn't go for the Sonys. Nope. Didn't go for the Airy. Nope. Decided to go for the Panasonic. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Um, Take so, that to the bank. And now we love Panasonic stuff. Yeah, we do. I've also used a lot of Sony stuff. I've used the A7S. Mm-hmm. Um, I've used the F5, F55 cameras. Yep. Uh, at one time, we were going to get two GH5Ss. Um, we'll probably mm-hmm. at some point get whatever is the newest iteration of the GH. Yeah, maybe GH6 we like those at the moment. But um, yeah, I mean, there's a there's but there's so many cameras, and there's new we companies constantly come out with yeah, new stuff, and new companies are coming out with cameras too. There's new always companies. like new companies that are coming out with brand new uh, cameras that you've never heard of, but then people are like, "Oh, this is great!" So it's awesome. And then there's like the whole Black Magic line of stuff. Yeah, you know, if we were setting up like a multicam studio where we needed multiple cameras that were really cheap, yeah, uh, we might go with the the Black Magic stuff because they have some really cool. Their studio cameras. cams are really cool and really intuitive. Um, I really like them. Uh, and the Ursa Mini stuff, like yeah. the Ursa Mini Pro, is a cool little broadcasty cinema style camera. Which is kinda, yep. I like that. So I am with you on that. I think uh, there's just so many. It's, it's just, just it's all dependent on what you're going to use it for the most. We actually had a guy. We had a guy come in who wanted to buy a piece of equipment, and the piece of equipment was not exactly what he was hoping for, and we felt bad trying to sell it to him. He was buying it for his church, and we just ended up talking to him for like an hour about what yeah. camera to get, what kind of equipment to get, because it just depends on your needs, yeah, your budget. Exactly. And how much your wife is going to let you spend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So the way I broke it down here, the way I, f- I think about it is before you start looking into any cameras, you need to think about two things. What's your budget? Mm-hmm. How much are you able to spend? And what's the purpose? Yeah. As in, how are you going to be using the camera the most? Is it going to be on a tripod? Is it going to be handheld? Is it going to be gorilla? Yep. Or, or cinema? You know, all these types of things. So um, when it comes to budget, I Th- think There's that- a range. There's just so, so many. So much. Yeah, you can get a camera for like $600, or you can get a camera for $60,000. And there's every price point in between. And if you're on a tight budget, make sure you look into, like, cameras Cameras are one of those things where they don't always, they're not obsolete. I mean, there's some new bells and whistles on new cameras, but that 1DC that we used, that shot 4K, it was yeah. great. And that was an early 4K Camera, DSLR. Yeah. And it had some, you know, it had some quips. Had it, some quirks. Um, you know, we had... Uh, <laughs> drove me nuts, actually, some of them. Just go because, ahead. Uh, it, you had two card slots, but it wouldn't automatically roll over to the second card. Mm. It would cut. So if mm. you were about to run out of one card, you'd have to cut and then roll again on the second card, yep. starting on that one. Yep, that was... Which, man... I, was I, also, Motion JPEG was the format. And it was huge. 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 So, huge. Recording 4K on that, on uh, our 128 gigabyte CF cards. CF cards got was... 30 minutes a piece on those bad Oof. boys. And, if, and we were shooting stuff that was like an hour each like little segment. And so it was just always like, stop, dump footage, yeah, okay. go next. Yeah, we ended up doing a lot of um, some interviews for companies and uh, yeah. uh, promo video type stuff with it. And we had to do these long interview takes and man I was just like sweating when that yeah when we were rolling and yeah it was, was tough oh man it's gonna it's gonna cut it's gonna cut I know what no is. don't do it don't do it you're good you're good keep going so yeah so, so yeah. I mean there are some older cameras that still work and so if you want to stretch your budget a little bit further look for uh look for older cameras that still have all most of the features you want you know 4k um if you're looking for the the media that you already have that you want to record on if you're looking for um a certain log that, format that you like, um, you know, low light. There's a lot of options out there. Yeah. Um, and so you can stretch your bur- budget, budget. You can stretch your budget a little bit further if you uh, go and look at used. But and I also, mean, if you if you going into kind of like the purpose idea, if you know that you're not going to need 4K. Yeah. For a while. Mm-hmm. So there's this idea, right? It's like you have your own camera. That you use. It's not going to fit every scenario, no matter what camera you get. Nope. Right? So um, it's possible that the best option is to buy something, you know, if you if you don't have the huge budget, yep. buy something like an old 5D Mark II that still looks great and in a lot of circumstances will be just fine. Um, but then also uh, know that if a project comes around, you can easily just rent the camera that you want yeah. um, to shoot for that. And remember, a lot of people just rent cameras. They don't buy. Buying is, you know, it's a big step. Because it's a big step, and things go, you know, like we said, all these features, cameras just roll out every month, it seems like, new yeah. cameras. And at the same time, also, um, you know, the camera is probably one of the things that gets that sits around the most. Yeah. Um, and so you got to remember that, with your budget is that that money, especially if you take out a loan or something like that, unless you're planning on renting it out, that camera's just going to sit on the shelf until you're ready to use it. 
Yeah, exactly. So um, take that into consideration. So if, if, if another one to think about for the purpose is, am I going to use this on a feature? Okay, my feature is a year out. Is it a camera that I also can make money off of? Will it make me money when I'm not using it? Is it something that people want to rent? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't say that. I wouldn't say that's the first um, thing you go for. I don't think the first I, thing you go is, hey, how much money can I make out of this off of rentals? Because it's especially it's with an shared. Important factor if you're if you're thinking not only just rentals but also getting work for yourself. Yeah, and because a lot of times companies will say, I'm looking for an owner operator to DP this project and for whatever reason they have this idea that they want to shoot on like the Alexa or yeah. the Red and that's it. So you have to then like convince them that your camera is the one that they want if it's not the camera that they want. Yep. So but having one of those cameras that people just are more likely to want uh, in that scenario will help you sort of get more gigs if that's the purpose, you know. And and yeah. that will probably translate to rentals as well mm-hmm. if it's a camera that's, you know, sought after by people. So that may be one reason that you don't go with the use because people want new. Um, people yeah, always so want like new. Right now, I mean, the Alexa Mini is probably one of the best yeah. bets. Yeah. Um, because of the form factor and the uh, the fact that it's an Aerie Alexa, people and want that. To just to um, you know, give a little real real world example, a friend of ours got the Amira. Yeah. Um, thinking like I'm just going to rent this thing out like gangbusters, and has told me multiple times that it's not renting as much as he would like or was hoping. Um, yeah, and I think it's tough because, well, that camera in particular, because the Amira is kind of this weird in between yeah Mm -hmm. people if they're shooting a feature they want the alexa yeah not the amira and if they're shooting a documentary uh which is i think kind of what they they made the amira for um they may want a smaller form factor so they'll go for the alexa mini and at the same time if you're shooting a doc usually it's the the operator that the operator slash dp that they want to bring along because it's a different kind of production in terms of like shooting and all that than uh you know just a regular you know fictional movie uh narrative movie they tend to get an operator that they like before they get the camera so it's like i we like you we like what you're doing just bring your camera yeah and the uh, the amir is a perfect example of how kind of fickle and stupid this industry is because it's literally the exact same stupid fi- stupidly fickle and stupidly insane <laughs> yeah that's what this industry it's is the exact same yeah. as as the alexa right yep. but it's just a different kind of body and yep and all that same stuff. sensor but it's just, but they want the alexa for whatever reason because they're stupid so that thing happens a lot you know like we got the panasonic v35 it's not super sought after but we didn't buy it for that reason no um in fact we've had people try to rent it from us and we've kind of been like nah because <laughs> one pass uh you know we want you know, we bought it for us to yeah. use. We want to use it on our own projects. and We bought it for the low-light capabilities and stuff like that for the way that we shoot. Um, and and especially, we also, I mean, the, one of the biggest deciding factors was the deal we were going to get on it. We got an yeah. amazing deal on the camera. Um, and so, um, you know, that was for us. Uh, we never really even thought about renting it when we first got it. We were like, okay, well, when we start shooting features, and then kind of like as we were, after we bought it, we just found found all these features and TV shows and Netflix specials that were shot on it. And we're like, okay, we made a good choice. Yeah. Nowadays, a lot of cool stuff is shot on it. Yeah. Ozark. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah. Um, so the purpose is really big because if you're, 
and again, as, as we always say, everything's connected. So if your purpose is that you just want to use it for you and you're not going to rent it out because you don't want to get the necessary insurance or you don't want to do the risk, well, then your budget may hurt a little bit because that's money that's just sitting on the, on the, uh, yeah. on the shelf. But if you're like, you know what? I, I'm going to buy a bigger camera, a more expensive camera that I want to use, but at the same time, I know people are going to want to rent it. Then you, can, then you can kind of justify in your mind that you raise your budget up a little bit. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. Exactly. And then also, I think, when I think about purpose, I often think about our, um, our truck that we used to oh, have, right? Oh, man. So, Why do you bring that up? <laughs> I think it's a good lesson to learn. And I feel like people, uh, hopefully you can hear what we're saying and, and learn from this lesson instead of living through it yourself. Mistakes. But uh, So we bought a truck. A grip truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like a 25-foot truck. It was nice. It had a lift gate, whole deal. Oh, it was great. Uh, I love that truck. Filled with gear. Yep. Uh, we soon realized that it was a pain in the we butt. We hated it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pain in the butt because, uh, well, it's so big. Yep. It's not, you know, you can't just drive it around and sort of pull it up into any parking spot and just park it there mm-hmm. and be good. Um, and... Trucks are a lot of upkeep. There's Lots a lot of, of things upkeep, that can go wrong with them. Maintenance, uh, yep. a lot of extra costs, parking, uh, yep. registration, insurance, all that. Kind of became and a like, glorified storage unit for us. It did, and we bit. did rent it out a couple times. Yep. But like, what we realized it was it was more trouble than it's worth for what we do because mm-hmm. we don't do uh, a ton of projects ourselves that require like a five ton grip truck. Exactly. So it ended up being it ended up sitting there as storage, and we rented it out a few times, but. Um, for us, something that we realized would have been smarter would have been like a van. Yep. Or so, a sprinter or a, sprinter, a cargo. Cargo van, transit. Yeah. yeah. Something that you can like quickly jet around because that's what we, that's how we like to roll. Yeah. Quick and easy. Um, you know, minimal footprint, not causing a whole big scene by driving up and trying to like find a parking spot in downtown LA, which is impossible with and if you join us next Thursday for our webinar, we'll tell you how we took that truck and made a lot of mistakes with it, yet still sold it for a crazy profit. <laughs> yeah. What was it? $10,000? $10,000 profit crazy. on that bad boy. Um, yeah, it was kind of crazy, and uh, we got lucky with that. But we'll teach you our secrets. Yeah, we will teach you our secrets. Secrets. Um, so, yeah. Um, you so, know, once you figure out the purpose and your budget, yeah, then I think you can move into sort of like the camera specs and the yeah. criteria and that's that where want. you get down to the nitty gritty and that's when you start blowing your mind with all the different options out there and what what is the best and what do you need it for and what do you make sacrifices on to get this and this and this and it oh man it'll yeah exactly you'll stay up late at night the first one i have listed is color science which is important Nerp. very important Nerp. And, but basically it comes down to preference really i mean mm-hmm. you don't have to know the science behind it you just have to know that it looks good to you and that you're able to take the footage and make it look how you want because that's i mean ultimately the biggest thing and yep. and uh to me the easiest way to do that is to rent it yep try it out record some footage throw it in your computer yeah and mess with it in post and see how it looks i mean that's really the best way um you can also see sort of tests online, uh, but it's YouTube compression, baby. YouTube Sucks. compression, it's tough. It's tough. Um, a lot of uh, the fr- the friend we were talking about earlier, the, who has the Amira, he actually rented uh, one of our lenses because he wants to buy lenses for it and wanted to see what would look best on it and that kind of stuff. So he rented lenses from us um, exactly. just to test it out, just to see what he was thinking and what what would be good. Yeah. Um, so that that's very common. Part for the course, you know, you got to test things out, get your hands on it, and see how it really works because. 
yeah. it's easy to be overwhelmed by other people's opinions, mm-hmm. especially online. I mean, there's a lot of people that have their thoughts about things, but until you use it and see how it works with you and yeah. how you like to work, you won't know because some, some people could be like, ah, this camera is crazy. It has this hatch on the side <laughs> that uh, opens up and when, you, when it's locked into a tripod, you can't open it or whatever. It's like, okay, but how important is that to you as a person? You know, to this person who's reviewing it, it's very important, obviously, and they yeah. like, hate it. Uh, but to you, it might not be that bad. And the rest of the camera is perfect, and it's in your budget, and yeah. everything else is great. So I think it's it's important to sort of like take everyone's opinion online with a grain of salt. Oh yeah, trust your own uh, preferences and and go at it that way. Definitely rent it now with ShareGrid being so popular in a, in a lot of cities. You can get your hands on a, most cameras. Most people will just if they bought it for a specific reason. It's so easy to throw the camera up now that you could probably get a camera for a weekend. Um, like if you have top five cameras you're thinking about, you could probably find those ca- ca- cameras on ShareGrid to rent for a weekend. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think um, if you want a, a color science horror story, uh-oh. uh oh, one of the worst. We 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 we. We purchased without even trying it out a DJI Osmo Pro. Oh yeah. Which, Which we is love. great, and we, we love it. it. We still use now. it. Just, but <sighs> we bought it specifically for a project mm-hmm. before trying it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't know all of the ins and outs of it. Yeah, and so we received this from the store, got shipped to us, and we immediately went out there and shot this project with it. Bad idea, Super really bad, bad idea, because we didn't know that at the time. The color uh, science behind their codex, their log, the D log or whatever it's called, was really bad. Like, horrible. So bad, in fact, it's almost, not almost, pretty much ungradable uh, in certain scenarios and for certain cameras. So they had this kind of weird inconsistency thing going on, and I think they've since sort of uh, done some updates and gotten rid of it. But yep. um, at the time, it injected so much magenta oh. into stuff, and we couldn't pull it out at all. And the skin tone, skin, I mean, people's skin tones was either really red and purpley, or it was green when we tried to remove it. It just couldn't, could not be fixed. Think about the nice, warm, magenta-esque look of a cannon, which people love. Yeah, magnify that and amplify that by like twenty. By it was like hundred. Yeah, it was so bad. Terrible. It was so bad. I remember we. So there's like, uh, we shot it at uh, a building that had this red brick uh, behind one of the one of the people we were shooting, and mm-hmm. man, if the red brick that to our eye looked kind of orangey, you know, mm-hmm. like clay colored. Yeah. But in it looked straight purple, so straight man. purple, and the shadows were purple. And the person's skin tone was purple. Ugh. So weird. Sucked so, so much. And then there were a lot of other weird things that, just settings in the camera that we weren't aware of. Like uh, the fact that it was auto-exposing or trying you know, to switch exposure in the middle of a shot. Oh, so bad. Um, so we ended up you know, having to use some of it. Uh, but for the most part, it was a, a big failure in that way. I would say never buy a camera. And then use it on a shoot without. I mean, no matter what piece of equipment you buy, not even camera, don't buy it and immediately run out and use it without testing it. Yeah, without testing it and just sort of playing with it and learning about it yourself. Because you're going to be in a world of pain. Yes. If uh, 
if it's uh, not working out the way you want it to. I have a horror story about the next one too. Okay, but the next one's low light, and which is, and this is kind of one of the reasons we bought our V thirty five, because as Alex said, that we had the truck and we realized, you know what, this is not really how we shoot. We shoot with like we're used to shooting with being able to fill up just our two cars with gear and lighting yeah. gear and all that and LEDs and all that, and that tends to be lower light. And so the V thirty five is crazy in low light, crazy, it's so good, so good in low light. I mean, we have test shots we could throw up of us lighting an entire room with just a pen light because yeah. this thing and it was and it wasn't it wasn't dirty it was a clean shot yeah um, and we have a, a great shot from this little short that we did where oh, yeah. a guy i mean we have a light on him uh but he's kind of uh you know dark yeah in the frame because he lights a cigarette and the the light from <sighs> the lighter just illuminates his face and it looks awesome it looks so good and so low light for us our, uh, the the budget was right, and then when we saw the low light, we were like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Um, and so for us, I mean, that's pretty crucial. I yeah. Mean, the 5Ds and the 70s and all that, when they came out, they weren't bad. No. They're not even close to what is available <sighs> now. I mean, the A7S, A7S. GH5s. Yeah. Uh, now Red has this dual ISO thing going on. Yep. Uh, Panasonic has the dual ISO, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Yep. Um, but... Um, even the 5D, I mean, we were able to shoot wide open on stuff. I bought these old vintage lenses that were like oh, uh, 1.2. Those things were. And they were really fast and shot at night all the time. And it had a little bit of graininess, but I didn't mind. No. It was kind of cool. It was kind of cool. Um, so you give them your low light horror story. Oh, man, the low light horror story. Okay, yep. here it is. And <laughs> He's this so excited actually, to tell you. This actually, once again, goes back to like getting a camera and not testing it. Enough. We really just do not take our own advice. Well, this is why it is our advice because we've had these mistakes. It's true. <laughs> um, so fool us five times, shame on us. Finally, I bought this quirky camera uh, called Digital Bolex, mm-hmm. and it's a cool little camera, man. For fun, yeah. for funsies, yeah. shot I think two point five K or two K maybe, and. Yeah. Uh, it's, it was the C-mount lenses. The digital version of the old Bolex camera. Yeah, and it yeah. had a cool look. But yeah. what I didn't realize was in low light, the thing is useless. Terrible. Yeah. In daylight, bad. it's awesome. And it has this kind of cool look that I liked about it. Um, and I shot... Hipster look. I shot some... Yeah, exactly. I had like a hipster <laughs> look. And I shot raw uh, to an internal drive or whatever. Yeah. Um, and we, I had shot things with it during the day, just test shots, and it was great. But then we got this uh, gig for like a music video, a friend's mm-hmm. music video. Yep. And uh, I mean, he wasn't paying us. It was just like a volunteer thing. And I was like, hey, I have this cool little camera. Let's use that's it. like kind of an old school style. It has this weird quirky look to it. And I think it could work for this. He's like, great. So then uh, we plan it and <sighs> um, we ended up shooting it. And the daytime stuff looks really cool. But then at night... <laughs> The night the night rolls in and all of a sudden, man, it's real bad. Poop and on I, a stick. We did we did not bring enough lights. Nope. And we could there was just nothing we could do to bring the exposure up to compensate because we didn't plan ahead. We didn't do enough test shots to see what the low light was like. Yeah. Um, and we didn't know that our you know whole big tungsten package that we brought was not going to be enough it would definitely was a big mistake on our part like wholeheartedly we really dropped the ball on that big time yeah so, so 
There's that. Yeah, just I mean, again, now the Bolex was a little bit different because I don't think there were any that were you could rent at the time because it was such a new and kind yeah, of like niche a Kickstarter thing. Yeah, it was a niche camera. Um, but that being said, again, test, 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 test. Can't yeah. stress enough. After you buy it, test, test, test before you go out and shoot. God, yeah. All right. Um, okay, so now we're on to form factor, and this is kind of this is getting bigger um, than it. I don't want to say has been, but it's like a bigger deal now uh, yeah. because there are so many great cameras in small packages that you have to. I mean, yeah, I'm a decent camera in a big package, but <laughs> 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 uh, but no, I mean, like you know, uh, uh, you can shoot something. Uh, I mean, let's be honest, we've talked about it before. You can shoot something on an iPhone. You can shoot yeah. stuff on the GH5s is a great camera and it's smaller. You know, you don't need any kind of camera support. Um, our V35 is a beast. It's a beast. It's a beast. It's like an Alexa-sized camera. Yeah. And um, with our beast lenses, oh, those lenses it's kind are of so heavy. heavy. Yeah. Um, so when you're thinking about form factor, you got to think about many things. And one of those things is also, um, if it is bigger, you might have to buy you know, an easy rig. Or you might have to buy something that can give you some support. Yeah, to shoulder rig it. Otherwise, you're going to be in a lot of pain. Yeah. Um, that's very true. Also... You have to realize if you're shooting with a bigger camera, in more complex situations, you'll probably need ACs. Yeah. Or like some type of someone to help you because, yep. I mean, it's just, it's hard to do it all by yourself mm-hmm. uh, with that kind of thing. And then also, if you're the type of person that wants to put your camera on a gimbal. Oh, that's another thing. Like if, or yeah. That it becomes more difficult. Like our camera can do it because it's the head, the brain separates from the body. Yeah. Yeah, so you can and with a tether do a little weight distribution. Um, but a lot of cameras, like the the Alexa Classic and whatnot, you can't. No, and those and are heavy. People want gimbals now. Um, that's why again the Alexa Mini just seems to be better and better and better. That's why people um, love the Reds and the Alexa Minis. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I mean, you got to think of again what what is the purpose? Are you going to be doing a lot of running gun with this camera because you're not going to want a big beefy camera that can't fit on a gimbal? Yeah. Um. We. On, on, on a, the opposite side, though, um, if you buy a DSLR and you want to, you know, strap it up with all these cinema accessories and whatnot, you're going to need a lot of crap. And it ends up being big anyway, because you're like, OK, I'm going to put a cage on it. I'm going to have a seven inch monitor hanging off. I'm going to put Anton Bauer batteries on mm-hmm. the back. I'm going to, you know, like you have this whole rig. If you look at people's DSLR rigs, a lot of times they look about the size yeah. of a red or something. Yeah. Because they have loaded it up with all these things. Another funny story is a friend of ours was like, Hey, can I borrow can I rent your lenses from you? And we're like, Oh yeah, we have a couple, which ones you want? He's like, Oh, the cinema ones, the really nice ones. And we're like, Oh yeah, good. Well, you know, they're PL mount. You're having you you have a Sony, you just need an adapter. He's like, Cool, I'll get an adapter. So we went out and bought the adapter. And I remember walking out of my apartment wheeling this case of our lenses. The case alone is probably like hundred and some pounds. It's it, th- these, <laughs> these lenses are beef, just beefy. And I remember the look on his face when he saw me wheeling out this case of lenses, and he's putting this on an A7S. Yeah. And I open it up, and he looks at it, and the lenses are bigger than the camera by a long shot. Yeah. And he's just like, "Oh," I'm like, "Did you not know how big these lenses were?" And he's like, "No," I'm like. 
All right, man. I thought you had some kind of camera support or a cage that this is going to in to support the lens because this lens will snap your your mount right off your camera. Yeah. And he's like, I don't. But that's why a lot I don't think of I can the, use uh, them. A lot of the adapters have a mount on them. Yeah. And you end up putting the tripod plate on the lens adapter. Yeah. And so it's supporting like the the camera itself is floating off the adapter and the lens is floating off. And he did not have that. (laughs) So that is something that kind of gets to the point where you're like, oh, man. uh, Yeah, uh, I should have really thought this through. Um, So, yeah. um, Remember that as you get smaller, it's harder to add all the beautiful little accessories on, you know, like a follow focus and then a wireless transmitter. Yeah. Um, it's, it's all that stuff. I mean, you could look out. uh, You could look online and you could see these ridiculous Yep. Like setups and cages that people have that they're trying to make their A7S or the GH5 into a cinema camera. Yeah. And it just looks crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. But, I mean, it works. But, man, alive, I'd be like, I, sometimes I can't even see the camera. I'm like, I see everything but the camera. I know. I think the big thing is the battery because you look at these little DSLRs, they have these tiny little batteries, and they last about an hour and a half. Yeah. But if you're shooting a film, you don't want to be changing batteries and charging all the time. So you end up putting, like, a, a V-mount or a gold-mount battery on the back. Adapter plate are, and all that. Yeah, with a plate hanging off some rods or whatever, and those things are big. Oh, man, are they big. Um, so, yeah, anyway. so form factor is good. I mean, you know, what you give up in size, you get better accessories, and you have better, uh, you know, can- sometimes better cameras. But if you go smaller, you have a little more portability, but you, get a, you lose a little bit of ability to uh, yeah, to do some things. You can run and gun with them, yeah. which is nice. You yeah. can be inconspicuous mm-hmm. in certain gorilla situations, which yep. is nice. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so these are all things to think about. Yeah. And then uh, the next one is more of a technological stand- standpoint, and that is, I'm going to screw this up. What? Codex. Codex. Yeah. <laughs> Alex yeah. hates it because I could confuse Codex with Codec, which is the uh, accessory company that makes uh, solid state drives for well, our camera and a lot of other cameras. Yeah. Um, so Codex. Um, these are kind of like the file format. Yeah, the, of your the files. Format. Yeah, so it's like, like we had mentioned about the 1DC that recorded in Motion JPEG, um, and the the compression wasn't that great, so you'd fill up a card really fast, and we had big yeah. cards. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what is our, our uh, AC Ultra? Uh, AVC Ultra. AV, yeah, the AVC Ultra is what our Panasonic V35 shoots AVC in. Intra. Intra. There intra. it is. Intra. 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 I should know that it's our camera. Um, so that you know it. it Depends on because that adds to storage size, what media you need to use, how big, how good your computer is to do it without having to convert it to a different codex. Yeah, the um, the thing about like the one DC is similar cameras, same size, same like Canon's latest version of it. You could probably record two or three times the footage <laughs> on that camera. Yeah, and the compression was. You know, it was more compressed mm-hmm. to a smaller size, but the quality of it was high. You know, just as good. Yeah. So it's like, you know, these are these are the the things that come with uh, you know technology and whatnot. Yeah. You can have uh, cameras that shoot a good uh, 4K log that's really high quality and fit on a smaller card than a camera that was you know. Yeah, made I mean, they're still they're putting log on SD cards. Well, now, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, SD but. cards are, are crazy, crazy, but they're still small, and they still compress cheap. it very well. Yeah, very yeah. cheap. Um, and that's that's the other thing to think about is 
um, media. Yeah. Because like our camera has a special media that it needs. Mm-hmm. Um, with a special with a special reader. Reader. And that's extra cost, you know. If you need new cards, it's like you can't just go out and buy a SanDisk or whatever, you know. I mean, you could buy SD cards and CF cards at CVS. Exactly. Um, you can't buy our cards. You have to go to Sammy's camera, and they even may have to special order them. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty, and they're expensive. Is the thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's troubling. Yeah, very troubling. Um, um, so yeah, so you got to look at look, and you know, it's kind of like um, we had shot this thing for the Rock, and our camera does really good um, uh, high speed imaging, really good crisp high speed. Yeah. Um, and I remember our buddy was editing it, and he said, hey, I can't get these certain files to work. Right. They, they're not read by Premiere. And I was like, oh, well, those are the high-speed files, and you have to get this Panasonic program that will then allow you to bring them in and then convert them to be read by Premiere. Yes. And so that's just another thing you have to think of, is that some of these codecs that they use are just like incompatible with anything other than what the company will supply you in terms of software. And a lot of times that has to do with you know, when it comes out, like if it's a really new thing, mm-hmm. you know, Adobe might not um, put the time, effort, money or whatever into supporting it, but yep. they might eventually. Yep. Uh, these are things to think about because we all love one of the greatest things about Premiere is you can drag in, in most things oh, and it just fantastic. works. Fantastic. Yep. Um, um, but, but some things don't work. <laughs> so too bad. Um, yeah. So, yeah, those are things you have to, again, Companies want to sell you cameras, so they will have documentation on what codecs they use, uh, what programs can be used. They, you know, they have a they have an entire for our camera before we even bought it. They had a post production workflow of like this is what you can bring in, this is what you can get out, um, stuff like that. So you know, look, do the research on that because you'll be surprised how like you think, oh well, you know, my one DC or my five D, I was able to just drop it in, it was worked, it worked just fine. Mm, that's not true with these new cameras at all times. So yeah. yeah. Uh, next thing is lenses. Yes. Which is important. A lot of people, you know, you might not think about this immediately, but, um, what lens mount does your camera have? What lenses are available in that mount? Mm -hmm. Um, this again goes back to what is your purpose? Um, what type of shooting are you going to be doing with it? Because if you want cinema style lenses, um, you're either going to have to, you know, Canon makes, or Canon mount has a lot mm-hmm. of uh, cinema stuff with it. You can get CP2s, you can get the Canon uh, Cine Primes, yep, and um, Zines and stuff like that. And Canon mount, um, if you have like a Sony mount, Sony E mount, mm-hmm. uh, you might not have all the same options. You might need an adapter. Nowadays, there's the the Leica L mount coming out. I know. I was just going to say, like, and just when you think that all the mounts are pretty much locked in, as we said in a uh, previous podcast, they come out with new freaking mounts. Come out with new mounts. Um, and so, so then you're going to have to get an adapter for that if you buy yep. a camera with an L mount. And then um, keep in mind that a lot of the adapters will it will you know you lose some light. Yeah, you um, lose stops so, the light, and yeah. also they don't they'll like they'll have a little bit of play. Yeah, and so they'll wiggle around a little bit, which I found out, which is very upsetting. <laughs> Um, as you're trying to like rack focus and all of a sudden the whole lens kind of shifts. Great stuff. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, you gotta be, you gotta be aware of these things. And then if you want to use like cinema glass, most of it is like PL mount. Yep. And that's what our camera has and that's what our lenses are. But 
and they do make PL adapters for some, you know, some things, but it's not a, you know, the best option. So if you if you want to shoot like cinematic stuff on real cinematic lenses, or you want to yeah. shoot with like anamorphic lenses or whatever, but you're gonna have trouble yeah. on you know, your little Leica L-mount camera. Well, here's another thing to keep in mind is that a lot of people, because glass tends to not um, go down in value very much, a lot of people will actually invest in glass before they do a camera because they know they can rent it out. They know that if they ever want to resell it, it's not going to go um, bad, you know? Yeah, it doesn't lose value. doesn't lose value. Fast. Yeah. Um, and so they'll actually buy their lens set before they even get a camera and being like, you know what, I'll rent this out. And then when I'm ready to shoot, I'll just buy a rent a camera. I have the glass. Yeah. Um, and there's actually also glass out there. There's also lenses out there that have interchangeable mounts. That's right. Just the nice eye. The nice eye. Um, and so they actually will allow you to switch between EF and PL mounts. Yeah. And one more, uh, E-mount. They oh, will they do E-mount too? Yeah. Well, shit. All right then. The CP2s also have interchangeable mounts. Yeah. Um, you know, it depends. I don't know. The the Nisei lenses are very new. Yeah. I haven't seen how the mount thing works. Yeah. But on the CP2s, you actually have to sort of bust out some tools and change them. And there's actually cameras. Which is it? The Pan, which Panasonic is it? LT. Is that one? Like, I thought there was one that you didn't have to send in. For? To change the mount on the camera. The LT. The LT? You can do that? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's just uh, screws. You just screw in the mount. Yeah. And a lot of cameras are like that nowadays. The yeah. Reds and the, the Airy. Yeah. Uh, I know the the Amira does that. The Mini yeah. does that. So, yeah. So, you don't even, you're not even stuck to one kind of glass. Yeah. Um, you are... You, you change hey, the whole mount what? on your camera. Change the mount and then uh, and then you can get uh, other kinds of lenses and use other people's lenses and rent lenses you like a lot more without having to be stuck with one camera with one mount. Yep. Exactly. So that's another thing to t- keep in mind is if uh, you, you know, have a really good set of lenses you like, maybe you don't own it, but you this is the kind I want to rent all the time. Then get the accorded accordingly the uh, mount on your camera, or get a camera that has an interchangeable mount. Yeah, I think one thing that we've um, realized over the years, um, for example, you know, back in the day they sold the C three hundred with the PL mount. Ours yep. is Canon mount, but they have the PL mount ones. Yep, and you'd be pretty, it'd be pretty tough with that. I mean, you'd have to only sh- because the 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 problem is with like zooms. Mm-hmm. Really, there's so many zooms in like Canon mount because of the still photography world. That yeah, are cheap and good. Yeah, but to get a a PL zoom. <sighs> They are not cheap. No. You're talking like 40 grand for an Oof. ingenue or something. Yeah. Or like a you got 30 grand for a Cabrio or yeah. like a Fujinon Cabrio or something. So just remember when you're when you're searching for your camera that there's a lot more other costs that go into it and should go into your decision. Yeah. And then there's well, lastly there's like some accessories that you yeah. need to think about. Um, um you know, there's some Accessories that are only available by whoever makes you know the camera. So yeah, batteries, batteries, and, and you know cables. If it had, like red, <sighs> man, they're they are crazy about their custom cables that you have to get red cables and stuff. Yeah, and other also other accessories like the media and the yep. the readers and all. It's all custom stuff that is just red branded. And and if it's a not if it's not a very hugely popular camera, they will um, companies you know. Uh, Wooden camera. Uh, they will not make accessories for your camera. Right. Um, they won't make cages. They won't make. Uh, um, they won't make handle grips that fit. And, but handle grips are kind of universal with the rosette, yeah. you know. So, but there, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of accessory companies out there that, and again just like camera companies there's more coming out you know with yeah. new stuff that you never thought you needed but damn I want it now um, but just keep in mind that there are some accessories that are made specifically for certain cameras and you can't get them for any other camera yeah and then the other thing like we talked about um, the form factor plays a part yep. you know if you get a big camera you're going to need a bigger tripod yeah and you're going to have to have a tripod that supports more weight and those are more expensive if you um your your gimbals like if your like gimbals, your even sliders, if you get a camera dollies. that can fit on the gimbal if it's a heavier camera you're going to have to get a bigger beefier gimbal and that's going to be more money yeah if it's even possible or yeah. you'd have to just use a steady cam which is also very expensive yeah or yeah or it, there's a there's it's it all kind of connects together and you just get, you can't re- forget we were lucky enough when we got our camera that it came with the media um and pay, mm-hmm. basically all the accessories that was kind of why one of the reasons we got it because the deal was so good without everything it came with right but for the most part you're gonna you know you're gonna have to buy the media you're gonna have to buy uh batteries if you want to do any kind of field shooting without having access to uh a, a outlet yeah um oh and actually that's one thing we did have to buy was the ac power adapter that's true that is right it didn't come with it nope and so we were doing some janky shit where we would connect our Anton Bauer quad charger to the wall and then it has power out through an XLR and we'd power our camera through that and while that was fine and that's what it's designed for it just I didn't trust it that much because our Anton Bauer quad chargers are a little old yeah Um, I mean it's just awkward it was this huge rectangular thing to power batteries yeah yeah not ideal at all not ideal. Um, so we ended up getting this much smaller one. Very nice. Yeah. I mean, the footprint of the quad is a lot larger than the <laughs> than yeah. the AC adapter. Um, but see, that's the thing is that we got the Panasonic, and Panasonic doesn't make an AC adapter. Um, yeah, we had to get it from Able Cine, and they made it. Yeah, they made it custom. And so for the first maybe four months that we had the camera, there wasn't an option for an AC adapter. Right. We, they finally came out with one because Able Cine could just figure out they could just make one because they realized that people were... Looking for it. Looking for it, and the V35 was actually getting very popular. So you're going to run into, especially if you buy new, that there may not be... What Wasn't it... Didn't our friend um, Ian run into that problem that he had to... They were... Oh, it was a problem for... Speaking of accessories, the Odyssey... Um, Oh, 7Q. Yeah. It was like, here's a firmware update, and this is the only way you can do the firmware update is with this piece of hardware that we don't sell yet. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, what the F? Why would you even release <laughs> a firmware update? If you if, can't update if it. If you can't update it because you haven't released the hardware to like dock it in or like connect it to your computer. Yeah. And they were just like, um... Well, you can send it in. Yeah, exactly. You can send it in. So yeah, yeah. They, like if you get a new camera or a new piece of equipment, there may not be all the accessories you want because... Everyone's trying to see the validity of that product to see if they take the time to do um, uh, research and development, yeah, prototyping stuff How like that. How popular it is, not so. yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So those are those are a lot of things, and that's just scratching the surface of cameras. We could talk about cameras forever. Yeah, we have had too many cameras. We had a uh, RE D twenty one, one of the first digital cinema cameras. Oh yeah, talk about um, pain in the butt in terms of oh, accessories. Jeez, I mean, had like a fax machine sized uh, card reader. Yeah, it wasn't even cards; it was hard drives. It was these hard drives, and it was. And we're not talking about SSD drives. We're talking about like legit internal drives, like big spinning drives that had their this huge toaster recorder that you would stick on the back, and then you pull it off and stick it on this fax machine. Yeah, (laughs) it was crazy. it was insane, and it boggled our mind that this is where where we are now compared to what that was when that was like, oh my god, guess what. That came out in 2007. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. It looked beautiful, though. Loved it that. was amazing. Loved that camera. But it was Airy just a sensor. pain. It was a pain in the ass to transfer data. 
It was. Um, and, it, you know, it, we so. had... We we finally right before we sold it we got a hang of how to use it and everything just yep. in time to sell it but uh, just in time yeah so uh, so keep that in mind um, but there is a lot of things you have to take into consideration when you're looking for a camera and even if you want to buy one or maybe you just want to rent it because yeah. that is uh, more ideal there you go uh, things to consider but uh, I think that'll do it what do you think I think that's about it yeah. that's about it for right now I mean. Yeah. If you have any questions, feel free to uh, shoot us a comment. We can. I mean, yeah. If you have specific camera suggestions, uh, shoot us an email or write a comment about like, hey, what do you think of this camera? Now we haven't used every camera, um, but we'll try and tell you our pros and cons the best we can. Um, yep. We'll do our best. That's all we can ask. That's all you can ask. All right. So let's talk about what's cool, Trevor. Yeah. So one thing that Alex showed me a while ago. It's called uh, Causality Screenwriting Software. Yeah. And it's kind of like it's the you know it's it's. Um, AI and the learning machines have finally come to screenwriting. Um, we're not talking no, about not really. yeah, that's not what it is. But it also, but it will analyze your script and figure out plot holes. That is AI. That's not not really. It doesn't do it. It puts it in a format that makes it easier for you to see plot holes. But it actually says it will analyze for plot holes. No, it doesn't. I think so. Hold on. No, it helps you analyze your own script for plot holes because basically what it is is it's, it's like a visual a, a visual story sequencer. Almost looks that, like a timeline in, in Adobe. It does. So it has yeah. timeline elements, and it also has mm-hmm. like node elements. If you ever use Nuke uh, or Fusion or anything like that, or yeah. like a DaVinci Resolve that uses nodes, uh, basically it kind of like lets you format your story in a visual way, and with multiple different running plots and subplots, and puts it all together in this weird timeline, so you can see like, oh, this is kind of like the general idea of like what the running time is going to be and where everything plays out. In a timeline, causality looks looks simple, but the engineering is anything but. Inside a sophisticated story sequencing engine, engine analyzes all the events in your story, finds your plot problems, and comes up with the most logical sequence. Boom! I told you, it has an analyzer in it. I've looked at everything in that, and there's nothing about it like popping up with suggestions or anything. Finds your plot I've problems and comes have, up with I the most it. logical sequence. I'm maybe just saying. A, maybe that's in the future, but right now I don't think it does that. In version 1.1, causality will track your character's emotional, mental states, as well as the audience experience. That is crazy. Again, I don't think it does. I think it's like it's misleading wording because <laughs> because I've not can, used it yet, but you, you can have. track it. I've 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 seen the way they, at least I think what they're talking about because you can <laughs> basically what you do is you have this little slider, almost like a, a volume mm-hmm. keyframe, okay, where you can you can adjust but you have to do it manually Uh. you adjust to say okay this is like a really heightened emotional state and you make like a peak and then they're like oh it's they're really depressed here and you make like a valley and then like that's how you're tracking their emotional progress it's not like a a misleading automatic thing but who knows maybe in the future they will actually make that work i'm just saying i'm just saying what i'm reading and that's what i'm reading but it it is a way to um I don't know about you guys, how you write scripts, but uh, some of my scripts, especially when it's like a, um, uh, a TV show or a series or something like that, I kind of visualize it and lay it out on a huge timeline and all that. And that's kind of this is what that kind of does. Yeah. Um, and it gives you the the visuals to kind of be able, like, wait a second, I need to change this, I need to change this. If you're a visual person, this will definitely help with that first draft. Yeah, and it's free. Yeah. Which is cool. But then um, if you want to also write your actual script in it, over 10 pages, um, it is no longer free. Yeah, it, uh, $8 a month. $8 a month. Yep. Um, and then eventually it looks like they're going to be adding uh, cloud 
options and then also um, budgeting, scheduling, and, and uh, all that stuff. And also uh, co-writing. So you can write with someone. Right. So mm-hmm. you can both look, which is something me and Alex always love when we look at a new uh, screenwriting program is, does it allow us to write together? Because me and Alex enjoy writing together. It's kind of how we do it. We bounce but ideas also, off each other. can we write without doing it yes, on the cloud? Yes, exactly. Very important. That is very important because, like we said, we tend to go to little cabins where there's no internet access to write, so we have no... Distractions. No distractions, and that uh, that tends to be what happens. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so check it out. It's uh, HollywoodCameraWork.com Causality. Yeah. Um, I'm going to definitely check it out. Um, I'm looking for the uh, AI to write my script for me. Yeah, but according day. to Alex, it doesn't happen. So it doesn't happen. I'm going to sue, um, get my money. Um, but, yeah, so um, there is that. Yeah. Uh, what else you got, Alex? Uh, I just saw this. It's called 110-100. Oh, yeah. It's a series that I think uh, Wistia created with sandwich video oh man who is a com- it's a indie company that makes a lot of promo videos and commercials if you've seen the true car commercial with a slightly overweight gentleman with a beard with a beard and glasses that is the founder of sandwich video who just used to do just uh, cash in on all these oh, he, i mean he used to just do videos for he did, i think he started doing the videos for his friends for their app like releases yeah. mm-hmm. and then he just did them with himself because he didn't want to pay for actors and now he's just blown up Blown up, yep, but yep, the, yep. but they did this cool little mini doc series where they shoot the same uh, commercial with one thousand, ten thousand, and a hundred thousand dollars budgets. Now, are these two, three different companies? Same company. Okay, it's all sandwich video. Okay, shooting the same exact commercial at different budgets. Okay, so you can see the approach that they take for each budget. So, like in the first, in the one thousand dollar one, they're using like an iPhone. Yeah. Um, and in, you know, the $10,000 one, $100,000 one, they obviously like add more crew, add more, uh, different equipment and all that kind of stuff. So you can see like the differences between those different budgets, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, now here's my question to me, I would much rather see that with three different companies because they wouldn't like, you know, sandwich video could be like, well, for a thousand dollars, we can only do it on an iPhone. You know what I mean? Like, but why that? If you're doing it as an experiment to see the difference between budgets, you don't want to change the other variables, Mr. That, Science. That's true, but at the same time, you also like I wouldn't want the same company to know. Well, we're gonna make this look really bad. It almost could be like Sandwich Video being like, "Look at how much better it is when you just give us a thousand dollars, you know, like a hundred thousand dollars." Yeah, but if you're going under the assumption that their goal is to make the best video they can for that budget, yeah, because they don't they don't want to make like a crappy video and yeah. be like, "Hey, guys." Look at this crappy video we made. Like that's <laughs> terrible. They don't want to do that. They want to make, they want to make good stuff at all budgets. True, but obviously, true, true. Obviously, you're going to have better um, at the the higher budget range. I get it. Fine, fine, fine. But to me, that would just sort sort of like make the whole experiment pointless if you had different people do it because I don't know. True. No, I get it. I get it. I also, but I, you know. It also is a, a for-profit company doing it to being like, I could also see people being like, well, let's not make the 10,001 too good. Because, I mean, I think we can, I think we as a company could do a lot with a small budget sure. just because of our skills. So we wouldn't want to be like, hey, we can make that $10,000 video for $1,000. Right. So that is just but, where I'm coming but from. But if you're always, if you're always talking about this, like, uh, this step. Yeah ladder type of scenario where it's like at a thousand dollars we can make it look like ten thousand yeah at ten thousand we can make it look true. like fifty at a hundred thousand we can make it look like a million or whatever it's true like, true yeah you know. fine 
fine. Um, so also what you got is the new Tentacle Sync E. And if you guys uh, are used to using like DSLRs and stuff like that, it's really hard to sync timecode um, because they don't usually have timecode generators in there. And especially if you're using multiple cameras across a shoot that are different and not easily syncable. Tentacle Sync was a way to kind of add timecode sync into cameras that don't naturally have it. Yeah. Well, now what they have... Through audio. Through audio, yeah. Which is crazy, which means that you could do it on like a GoPro or an iPhone even. Yeah. You have time code. Do it on anything that shoots and can record audio. But now there are there's this tentacle sync, and what it does is it syncs without having to hook up anything. It's, it's Bluetooth. Bluetooth. Wow. A Bluetooth syncer. That's Ooh. cool. Yeah. Um, we have a couple of the the first version yeah. with, the, with the cords. And like them. Love them. Yeah. They're great. Um, and this thing stays frame accurate for 24 hours. It's crazy. And, that is crazy. And the battery life is like 36 hours. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, so it's great. So the, And it's a lot cheaper than getting like... Uh, a locket. A locket, which locks in time code. It's, and the lockets are not as widely... Like, can be widely used through a, a whole range of cameras like the Tentacle Sync. Right. Um, so pretty cool doing Bluetooth now, which really helps. You don't less wires. Um, so yeah. So that's uh, that's what's there's going that. on. There's that. Yeah. There's that. There's that. I saw. Um, let's see. There's easy text tracking in Adobe After Effects now. Okay. So in the 3D tracker, um, when you create all the tracker points and then it triangulates uh, three points to make like a plane, mm-hmm. you can right click on that and say like add text. And it will be able to do all those cool like text and 3D space effects. That's awesome. Um, That's so cool. Pretty much automatically. It's pretty easy. Um, looks pretty cool. I would definitely recommend checking that out if you're into motion graphics and whatnot. Check it out. <laughs> Got the link in the show notes. Yeah. So we also have, we were talking, you know, about if you get a heavy camera, you're going to need a bigger tripod, that kind of stuff. So we also have the Cartoni Focus 22. And it's um, a more affordable now, your your uh, definition of affordable may vary, yeah. but it's a, a more affordable uh, tripod system for heavy cameras. So you're talking about the you know the Alexa Classic and stuff like that. Um, now, if you do a head and um, legs package, it's going to be about eleven thousand dollars, a little bit under eleven thousand dollars U.S. dollars. But that's pretty good for for uh, um, for a tripod setup that can support I'm trying to find the exact um up to 48.5 pounds of weight camera weight camera accessories all that stuff and that's big that, that is, is big. big I mean our uh our V35 I'm trying to remember what the weight is um I mean it's about 20 pounds I think yeah without anything attached without all the all the crazy accessories that you can load up on there. Yeah, so I mean, you're looking at a beefy camera with a lot of uh, accessories on it. Um, so that's and that and that eleven thousand dollars for the whole setup. That is not bad. That is not bad. I mean, you can get tripods up to fifteen for the system, fifteen to twenty. Yeah, um, and it gets even more expensive from there. So uh, really cool. Um, you know, I've always used a lot of Sackler, but uh, have you ever used Cartoni? I have. Okay. Yeah, and it's nice. I mean, not as widely known. I think Sackler and O'Connor have kind of made their mark, mark yeah. in the cinema and broadcast world. Yeah. Cartoni is a little bit lesser known, but still a very good brand. And, you know, a lot of people use it. Definitely worth it. 
check it out. Miller's also another brand yeah. I think you should check out. I think they might all be owned by the same company. Too. They might. Oh, they might. So, yeah. So, you have the Cartoni. It's called the uh, Focus 22 uh, system. It's a two-stage carbon fiber tripod. And then you have the Focus 22 fluid head with a 100-millimeter ball base. So, you got to get both of them if you want the all the bennies. All the bennies of it. And then lastly, Uh-oh. I saw the Comica CVM WS50. What is that? It's a wireless uh, lav pack type system for a phone. What? Oh, yeah. God. It's come to this, huh? It has come to this. So basically, you have this little thing, transmitter, that sticks to the back of your phone mount. Um, and then you have a pack with a lav that you uh, put in your pocket, whatever, run the lav up your shirt. And then uh, you have a little lav wireless mic. I think it is good up to like 190 feet, are we just, meters. Are we just saying, like, because it's cheaper than buying, like, a... Sennheiser or something like that? Is that why? Like, I mean, because Sennheiser can plug into any audio. I mean, you can get an adapter that'll plug into a, an iPhone. I think, yes, it's cheaper. It is 165 for the whole thing. Which is not bad. Not bad. Um, I don't know how good the quality is. The video yeah. seemed pretty good. Yeah. Um, but I think price is a huge factor. But also, as I have learned, even just from using... Uh, Sennheisers and stuff with an external recorder and a DSLR, you, um, it's difficult, you know, mounting the transmitter. You have this thing hanging off, you have to like mount it to things. This is built into a phone mount, so you stick your phone right in yeah, there. Yeah, that, that's, I think that's helpful. That's, I think, the benefit. Really. Yeah, you get your phone mount and it's the. The pack is built into it, so you don't have to be fumbling around with mounting stuff and moving stuff and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yay, and all that fun stuff. So yeah. that's pretty cool. I mean, we are getting to the era of everyone shooting on their smartphones, so it only makes sense that the natural progression is to have a wireless lav system built for shooting on the iPhone. Yep. There it is. Yay, so go, go buy it. I think that's going to do it. That'll do it for this time. All right, so that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for joining us, and make sure to get the show notes for this episode by visiting nobudgetfilmmaking.com slash episode 30. And don't forget to hop on over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. And while you're there, give us a five-star rating and leave us a review if you feel so inclined. And if you have any filmmaking questions or questions about cameras, ask away in the comment section and we will try to answer them to the best of our knowledge. Also, like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram at Cinema Summit, and we will catch you next time. Later, guys.